0: Hello and welcome. Let's talk books. I'm Robin Van Auken, and I'm interviewing writers about inspiration, creation, publication, and promotion of their books. Today is November 25th, 2017, and it's episode number two. My guest is Tanya Anderson, founder of An Exquisite Life. Tanya is the author of One More Day, a memoir about overcoming suicidal ideation and discovering the joy in living. Tanya is enormously brave and she tackles tough topics. She spent her life in a spiritual quest, starting with a commitment to meditation. She's a mindfulness counselor and inspirational speaker with a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. She works with people to resolve stress and trauma, and in particular, with veterans experiencing post-traumatic stress. You can learn more about Tanya and her book in the show notes at RobinVanAuken.com. Let's get started. Hello and welcome. I'm Robin Van Auken, the wholehearted author, and I am here today with Tanya Anderson, my dearest friend. Welcome.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It's a joy to be here with you. Thank you.
0: We are here in my home office, so you're going to hear a lot of ambient noise. Listeners, sorry about that, because it's a rainy day here in the highlands of Pennsylvania, and we have the dog. In the room, and the dog is going to be probably going in and out of the dog door. So if you hear anything in the background, (laughs) just know it's natural.
1: And panting, too. (laughs) Yeah, the
0: panting isn't us. The panting is a dog.
1: Yeah, it's (laughs)
0: Yeah, Chubbers is my constant companion. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. I've been wanting to talk to you for so long about what you're working on. Tanya is a very diverse person. First, I want to have her introduce herself, give a little short biography, let you know
1: who she is. Hi. Um, let's see where to begin. A, a diverse is probably a really a good adjective. I grew up in a diverse family. We were multicultural, and I just thought all families were multicultural. So it was quite a eye-awakening when, when I realized that, oh, most families are not so diverse as ours. So military, we traveled around, and um, I fell into my my profession right now. As a therapist, out of the blue, I would have never dreamt that I was going to grow up to become a therapist, but I actually am a therapist, and I like to focus um, assisting my clients through mindfulness and meditation and some of the sacred therapies that I learned in my travels. And um, So I like to just think that I help people, simply put.
0: And tell me a little
1: bit about your education, your... Um my education, I, I did attend the Naval Academy for a couple of years, so I am a military brat. I love the United States Navy. Go Navy. Go Army. <laughs> Be Navy. <laughs> I'm definitely a Navy. I love the Navy. Um, my dad was retired master chief in the military, too. So I grew up on military bases. I'm very, I married a Marine, you know, I just my heart belongs to the the military and their families and the sacrifices they give to the country. I'm very attuned to that. And that's why some of my work is involving um, PTS also post traumatic stress. Um, So you went to college? Oh, the college I knew I was I didn't finish the sentence. Um i went i graduated from the University of Hawaii with um public administration degree with a minor in in justice administration more like criminal and and so I've always been fascinated with just how people respond to rules and laws and things like that. So I, I did like, I liked governing people and in international politics. Cause that was my major when I was at the Naval Academy was international relations. So I like to know how people get along is basically what I love. Then I went, I graduated from the Lock Cayman university with a master's of science in clinical mental health counseling. And I, I, f- I focus on trauma. So now as we pull, fo- pull move forward, I mostly basically a trauma therapist i love trauma and helping people move through it to the joy in their lives to finding accessing the joyful peaceful moments in their lives and right now you have a job that lets you do that but
0: you're also working towards your certification
1: right to become licensed in the state of pennsylvania i'm working on my 3,000 hours so i probably have maybe about another 800 more hours and this was, this was quite a journey for you
0: because you're a lifelong learner. <laughs> you had this bachelor's degree. Education is important to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm very curious as to why people go back to college. You had talked to me for many years about wanting to go back and continue your education. And then you did later in life. You've gone back. I mean, it's, it's not like you finished your master's at the age of 24 no. or 26 even. No, you went back now. And with a, your own son is grown and married at this point.
1: It's true. I went back in my fifties. I and don't this even was know. So
0: difficult. This is such a hurdle oh. for so many women, so many people period to actually put education first. And, and once you did, things just started really
1: clicking for you. I really appreciate you saying that. Cause I didn't think of it that way. I totally didn't think about it that way. I had just come to a financial point in my life where I had resisted for so long easily because I didn't find the programs that I was searching for and I didn't want to be in debt. Right. So I got to be about the age of 50 and I started realizing like if I didn't have a a graduate degree, I'm going to be stuck in this $12 hour jobs. Right. And I, I just couldn't afford to do that as a single woman. And think about my future. So then I, I already been helping people. So I thought, well, maybe I'll get a master's degree. And so I started searching for a master's program and nothing, I didn't see anything that I really resonated with. And then one day I'm looking through the paper and it says clinical mental health counseling. And I thought, this is what I'm missing because I, I really come from a very deeply spiritual background yes. and I was starting to get clients who were uh, with diagnosis, having pharmaceutical drugs. And I said, oh, this would be great for me. I will just, I just need to understand this aspect of it. Right. And I even remember in my interview, I said, um, they said, well, we're a new program. We're under the, we're just now getting accredited. We're not accredited right now. We just think we need, you need to know this upfront.'" I said, oh, that doesn't matter because I just want to learn the information. I'm not looking for accreditation, not looking for a license because I came from a deeply spiritual world. Right. And I just, I was at that point in my life, not really looking at any degrees or certifications. right? Right. So I get in the program and all of a sudden it becomes very credentialed. Like I'm like halfway through the middle of it and I'm like, Oh my goodness. And now you're in the midway point and you have to go, you can't just stop. So that's when the other, another extra year in my master's degree occurred so that I could have the right ethical um, classes. Then, um, CREP that has a whole different requirements from the one I originally, uh, you know, registered for this course and I just started getting buried. And all of a sudden, there's a practicum, there's an internship, and then now there's 3,000 hours for the state of Pennsylvania. So I really have, I didn't know what I was getting involved in. And, and even just like yesterday, I just started appreciating what I had done because yes. it's pretty amazing to have that clinical awareness and understanding alongside with my spirituality. So I really like to think of myself as an integrative therapist. Right.
0: Right. But you're also a writer.
1: I am a writer. You're a life. I love writer. writing. That's my first love.
0: Tell me a little bit about what kind of writing you enjoy mm-hmm. the most. Um
1: I I get teary-eyed. <laughs> I have a phenomenal life. I have an exquisite life. I do. And I'm right now I'm working on my best to translate that to paper. Like I can write for, I love the the fluidness of writing. I I could write all day on a rainy day. You know, I love it. However, I'm, what I'm trying to do is to, to make that transition to paper. And that's, that's what I'm working on right now. It's like, how do you take something that's so exquisite in a moment and translate it to paper? So are you having problems adjusting
0: to getting the time to put it on paper or the actual thought process translating that human experience into words on paper right
1: at first it was time because I'm you know you have to pay the bills and I have a lot of responsibilities in my work and tons of paperwork and when I get home all I do is just want to just do nothing exactly so that was hard at first but recently I've been able to to bridge that hurdle and now I'm writing which is huge I am writing now I'm looking at like okay This is not, this is not anywhere close to that moment, how I'm expressing myself. So what I'm trying to do is just like go ahead and keep going. Uh, I really do like the artist's way book and it just says to do the um, stream of conscious writing so we can get, get clarity. And that's what I'm working on right now is just to write and just to have the, the discipline to get on the computer, type, write words, I'm now participating in that November. Um, NaNoWriMo. Thank you. Yes, yes. yes. I didn't know how to say that, but thank you. Yes. That's right. what
0: I'm doing right now. And that's the challenge where they challenge you to write at least 50,000 words. It doesn't have to be a novel. It could be nonfiction. Are, mm-hmm. are you working on fiction or nonfiction?
1: I, I thought for a second to do fiction, but I really don't read fiction. So I thought just stick to nonfiction for now. And then if once, once I get this this wonderful book out that I want right now, I want to get that book done. Then I will, I hope that it will open up to, to fiction. Well, let's to... talk about your wonderful book right now. <laughs> okay.
0: Tell me a little bit about it.
1: The book is called an exquisite life. And what I want to do is just write little, it, what I am doing is excerpts of my life. Just really, you know, short stories that I found that have happened in my life as my travels in the military, when I was a flight attendant in my spiritual life, I've had such a phenomenal life. I thought it might be kind of fun just to, to get the little, little short stories first. It's Almost a book like shippers. anecdotes. Perfect. Not anecdotal. Yeah. It, so it's not so
0: much a memoir as it is a, a, a book of life lessons.
1: Right. That That's a better way to say it. It's not a memoir yet. I'm not, I'm not really ready. I don't really not, not ready for a memoir. I don't think yet. Okay. I really want to get the anecdotes because I think that people really love when I tell stories. And I tell little anecdotal stories and there's just like, I have tons of them. And I thought how fun to put them in the book and then maybe people can see, oh, this happened to me, you know, um, wow. I have had that kind of experience. Oh, I, I, I participated in this act of kindness and somebody was kind to me or just so that we can start recognizing how exquisite each one of our lives really is, you know,
0: um, so you talked a little bit about your creative process, how you enjoy sitting down using the idea from the artist way, basically writing stream of consciousness. And and you've been doing this for a while, right? How do you how do you get out of that mode of stream of consciousness, gather all those notes and then start editing and coalescing them into something with a a structure like a book. <laughs> yeah, that's difficult. Tell me.
1: I think I I was very impressed because I had a move and I had I at least gathered them all in one place and I was unbelievable. I I was very touched by it. I had been continuing writing over the years and when you put it all in one I put one plastic container Ooh. filed, I filed it and I was just like awestruck with my own writing, which was kind of fun. And um I think sometimes that might just be the process of just gathering. I did hire a virtual assistant to wonderful. I did. I I hired a virtual assistant and I, I scanned over some documents and had her write, put it in a Google doc for me. And I'm going to tell you what, if you don't have time to write, at least do something like that, because at least it takes the pressure off you of that. You're not writing because she took my notes and I, I said please don't change anything, don't edit anything. If it's if it's duplicate duplicate it, it's okay. I'll edit it later. Just I just needed to get it in a, a the from a handwritten form into a document. Into a digital form so that Perfect. you could start
0: organizing it. Yes. And this is this is something that I've been reading and learning. Um I've been doing some research myself on how to write plots for books because I am a writer. Also I write nonfiction and I write fiction. I'm working on my sixth novel and I've just hit the wall. I, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not interested in the story. It's too long in the making. So I've been spending a lot of time going back, going back to school for myself. And when I say school, I don't mean a formal institution. I mean, buying books that help me guide Mm -hmm. me, lead me into a, a more structured, better type of writing format. And, um, it's something I never really paid attention to. I just wrote books intuitively. And for a while that worked. But then my last few novels I've noticed were like, eh, I'm kind of stinking, stinking up the place here. So with this last one, which has been a couple of years in the making, there's no excuse for this other than me spinning my wheels, trying to teach myself. I have been learning more about structure. And I think, okay, when I do finish this book, I'm going to go back and I'm going to improve my other books that I'm not happy with. But in the process, I've been learning <clears throat> about the idea of right-brained and left-brained writers. Now, we've always, not always, but we've always known intuitively that there are right-brained and left-brained people. People who are artistic, people who are scientific. We know this with artists, and you've read The Artist's Way. And the concept of the writer's way, right-brained, left-brained. Do you see yourself as more of a right-brained creative person? <laughs> oh, consciousness? my gosh.
1: To the point I, where- I feel like I'm pretty blessed right now because I used to be a fully stream of consciousness writer. And then I took the, I had a job as a chief of staff and I became. With a local politician. Yeah. With a local politician. And I became, what do you get left brain? Yes. See, I don't know the difference. Okay. Yes. But I do know that then I almost was hurt. Because I was, my, lovey, my loving spiritual stream of consciousness writing was gone. Mm-hmm. And it would get cut out. And all of a sudden, I was very governmental and no heart. And it was, I was really afraid that I had lost it for good. I I really was, that was probably my deepest fear so i'm now just being seeing the integrative parts like trying to bring in the spiritual with the my my uh my boss used to laugh because he was used to be the editor for the um, university of boston college law review editor so he would edit all my writing so he used to say that i had gone to the mirabito school of writing so he used to tease (laughs) me um so now I think there's, hopefully there's this new version of me as a writer. That's that's what I'm hoping. Um, and we'll see how that plays out. Because I, I feel like I'm trying to grasp back to that person who is so, in was so articulate with spiritual concepts. So tell me something. Like most people, you've
0: experienced these dark moments as a writer. And...
1: In life. A, in
0: life as a person <laughs> where you have felt things like distress fear shame yeah. worry about your, your artistic work and your regular work tell me a little bit about how you react to those negative feelings or if you even think that they are negative
1: that's a good question um, I write I don't know writing helps me get through those negative moments you know what I mean like uh, if if it's a prayer, I've been known to be in my distraught and I'll write a prayer. You know, I find writing is very healing. Or if there's some wound, you know, or if somebody hurts me, I, I will write it out and I will just try to decipher it and everything. So to me, writing as a tool is therapeutic. Okay. It's very therapeutic for me. Um I have such beautiful poems from way back in the day when things were really tough and and I do I did write that one One More Day. I did write a, a, right. little, Tell me a little ebook on book. One More Day. One More Day is about when I was facing um my own suicidal ideations and I wanted to pass away. And I had made a plan, so it was very, you know, it was a very dark period of my life and I just didn't I had no I just thought everybody's life would be better if I was gone. So that was basically what it was like. I was a failure. And um, I didn't I didn't see any solution to anything. And I, I went to the coffee shop the last day to get my last meal in a very ritualistic kind of thought pattern and some flowers and just to gracefully pass away, not to harm other people. I wasn't trying to harm anybody. I just couldn't go on living. And so I write in One More Day about how uh, an act of kindness saved my life, you know, a police officer by the name of John McKenna can I save my life just with seeing me in that distraught place and reaching out to me and asking me if I was okay. And so now I'm really aware of that, like how powerful an act of kindness is, or, you know, just checking in with you and seeing how you're doing. And he, you know, introduced me into a whole new world, and tapped into some of my deep, dreams of becoming working on mission trips and so that's kind of exciting
0: so you've got this book one more day but tell me a little bit about
1: um this
0: documentary that you've been a part of also
1: right so the so the book so the book one more day is also part of uh the bigger picture which is called the power of one preventing suicide in america and that story that i wrote in one more day Is featured in the film by Olivia Tagliaferi. She's a director of the movie. And, and what we're, what we're hoping to do with the film is to show how each person is very powerful to turn around this tide of, you know, suicidal ideations and people actually dying by suicide. And, um, we, in it, she showcases how people have touched each other's lives. And we also provide resources in the film. So it's pretty exciting to be a part of it. I never realized that that one moment in a coffee shop could turn into so much. And it really has touched a lot of people's lives. And so it's exciting. Well, it's I'm- definitely
0: a wonderful <laughs> thing you're here because look at everything you've accomplished since that day. How long ago was that? Oh, my gosh. 2004. So we're not talking about too long ago. No. And Less you know what? Years. Every once in a
1: while, like, it touches me like, oh, my goodness, I would have missed all this. You would have missed all this. I would have totally missed everything for the past what 13 years. It's been extraordinary. And those moments of wanting to pass away, they don't. It doesn't happen. I think everybody. I think it's normal yes. that when we're faced against something that we, we feel defeated. But it it pushes us. You have to reach out. I happen to be curious, you know, um, John started talking about his mission trips and I'm going to tell you what, that was buried in my heart. I always wanted to go on a mission trip and I didn't know how I I wanted to help build houses and schools for people. And I didn't know how people did that. I just know and buried in my heart was a little prayer between me and God that I wanted to do this one day. And then he starts talking about how his church does that. And I was just, my mouth just dropped open like, Oh, so my life's not over. I, I want to do this, you know. And you joined that church. I joined the church. Um, I'm still very, I'm I'm a Christ follower. That's and you bit, went on a couple of. I mission went on trips. two mission trips, and we went down to the um, Dominican Republic, and we built two I, two
0: classrooms.
1: I get so teary eyed about it because. And then in the aftermath of the Joplin tornadoes. And I we think? went to Joplin. I went to Joplin and we helped build a house and, and helped a family move to a nicer house. And I mean, when you, the missions, missions are really powerful because you have a group of people who are focused on serving and, and they do it in prayer. You pray in the morning, you, you you go do the work and you come back at lunch and we pray again. And then I was amazed at what is possible for a team of 15 people to do. Like we we would move a house, a three-bedroom house from one house to another before lunch. I mean, it was just it was just yes. mind-boggling. Then it, by the end of the evening, we'd be laying a foundation for another house in Joplin. It was very profound. I, I just started recognizing what could happen without the bureaucracy, without, do you know what I mean? Like when yes. you just have people, I see how the Amish work. You know, they probably have the same kind of work ethic. They gather and we're going to build a barn and that's it you know, or build a house and or no, shed, excuses. Or no excuses. You just do it. Right. And so we did that. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm planning on going on another mission trip, maybe in January of 2018 to Puerto Rico. Wonderful. And I know. I just, I just heard about that. So that's a theme in my life. It, it's all connected. Um, that's my divine purpose. And it will, these also become topics within your books. Yeah, I could, I would definitely write that in there. I mean, I'd definitely write, you know, those kinds of things, because those are the, that's the thread of life. That's the thread of an exquisite life is that when you are following your own heart, and it takes a lot of courage to follow your own heart these days, but when you do, that's when your life becomes exquisite. It's purely exquisite and people can't comprehend and it's not for everybody to understand. It's just like it's you following your own So the
0: idea of an exquisite life, which is also the name of your company, Mm -hmm. you've been counseling people through an exquisite life. I have, and you've written books, and you're still writing books, and you're still teaching people. The concept is working their way through sadness,
1: through my yeah, um, helping people move from through trauma into joy. So from trauma to joy, from PTS to joy to peace to happiness it's what it is, is I am helping people of access their own heart and within their own heart is a lot of healing. Right. And that's where, cause I believe our true nature is joy. So in me, I'm just, I'm like an excavator. I like ah. get, 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 you know, we move through, yes, this terrible thing happened to you. I'm honoring it. I'm not taking it lightly. But let's figure out how we can keep on living our life, loving the people that we have, experiencing amazing life, even with the, the traumas that have happened. So many times people say, Oh, well, you're never going to be happy again. And and, and I, I don't think in our worst case scenarios, Especially if we've lost loved ones in grief, that they want you to go in the world suffering. I just don't believe that. No. So that's that's one philosophy principle there. And the other principle is that if you've experienced some kind of trauma from someone else, you know, you let them win. If you let them ruin your life, you know what I mean. So I give people the actual steps and skills to go on and find more peace and joy in their life. Now you enjoy speaking. Don't you? I you do. Go to
0: different places like I I know you come and speak at colleges. I
1: do. I speak at colleges. I just had the um the Student Leadership Development Institute in Pennsylvania for higher education. I just spoke there. That was, a real, and we talked about meditation and one of the tools of finding the joy in your life. I'm very power, I'm very um, passionate about meditation and mindfulness. Right. Tell me a little bit more about that. The work you've been doing in that field. And this is really
0: something that's current. I mean, meditation has been around a long time, but yes. people are starting to sit up and take notice about meditation and especially mindfulness. Can you explain right. those concepts? M-
1: meditation is the key to becoming mindful meditation um, allows you to be still and that stillness connects you to your own sacredness your own divinity your own GPS your own you know trusting yourself and from that trust everything and
0: happens. do you see meditation as an important tool in your work
1: going forward is it going even to be- more than ever I'm going to just, because I meditate all the time and I, you know, I've been meditating since the 90s, you know, and I thought, oh, it makes my life better. But now I'm seeing how much it makes somebody else's life better and I can connect to that. It, I just thought it was my way to connect to God. I'm going to say God for me. I know that not everybody uses the word terminology God or to love or to the higher power, whatever you say. But that tool helps you be in touch with your own spirituality and that spirituality will guide you and keep you safer in this world it helps you navigate life it helps you overcome the traumas so basically what i do is help people connect to their spirituality so you're a lifelong writer you have we understand Plastic
0: bins full of writings that you're converting into digital documents. You have one ebook that you've created. Right, this book that you're working on now, an exquisite life. Yes, um, probably maybe the first in a series that you've been talking about. Are you thinking about approaching traditional publishers? Is there, if you had, a, if you were able to just say right now, one publisher that you would love to work with who would embrace your book? Who
1: would that be? I would totally love to be a Hay House writer. I would. I, I like their concept of, I like, I like that. I like the fact that you, you go on speaking engagements, you have a conference and you can do it conference. I love all that. It's very empowering. I've been to a couple conferences with Louise Hayes, Hay House uh, Publishing, and I would love to work for them. I would love to go on to their cruises. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't love to talk about their book on a cruise? I mean, like <laughs> I but like the whole concept. It's a lifestyle, do you know yes. what I mean? Not, and I think I'm. That's probably where I would make a nice big fit into that lifestyle because I do want exquisite life to be a lifestyle. My life is exquisite, and and it's nice, and I would love to share that with other people. Excellent. All righty. So, if you are
0: thinking about approaching a traditional publisher, this is this is pretty intimidating. Because as writers, we always look at our manuscripts and we go, Oh man, I'm gonna get rejected. How do you build up your presence, your strength of mind, your character, your backbone? How are you gonna get the nerve to approach somebody as as important as hey house publishing with your book?
1: Hmm. I don't see it that way. Good. Only, I don't okay. see that way at all. Only because I've read so many books by their Hay House Hay House authors Dr. Wayne Dyer yeah. Sonia Chokad I mean I can just they're part of my life so I've been would follow them for a long time I, I 20 plus years easily and so I think, I just feel like I'm one of them. Okay. So you're already there. <laughs> I'm already there. They just didn't know that. They don't <laughs> know that. Yeah. They got to, I and, I, and I, I don't blame them. I didn't, I got to write some books so they can read them. You know, that might help, right? You know, you have to send the proposal and there's a, there's a, in the self-publishing part, there's a woman named Virginia who I just love. And she was always so supportive of me when I was, you know, this has been a journey for me. And so I just would love for her one day to, to see my book and go, oh. <gasps> I just, I knew her. She was, I, I told her she was awesome a long time ago. So that's, you know, I, I think I look at it differently. I want to finish the book. I would, this is the dream right here. I'm trying to get this book done for Christmas. I'd love to, oh my. I know, I'd love that's to get it done, at least to get an e, e uh, book version to, for my whole family for Christmas. That's the dream is to get them for Christmas. Gifts. For
0: Christmas. That's a wonderful idea. Yeah, I thought so and too. And so you're using this month of November, NaNoWriMo, to get this book done thank Get it you out there stream yeah. of consciousness and you've got a virtual assistant who's helping you organize she's helping me organize i'd be more than happy to help
1: with some copy editing i'm not a great Yay, editor I know. but the more
0: people you have, who have i know and they have it. to
1: read it and see, you know like okay this is what does this make sense and i and i'm i'm, I'm finally at the point where i'm open to criticism <laughs> and, and editing like okay i you know i'm fine I think I'm ready. I'm just ready to have fun with it. I'm, I think that's where I'm at now. I'm not, I would love to be a best-selling author and sell millions of books in different languages. And if that happens, terrific. If not, what I just want to do is, you know, if somebody at least have a
0: Christmas present for your family,
1: exactly, exactly. Start, Start
0: small. All righty. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Tell me a little bit about the books that you've read books that have inspired you. Oh my gosh.
1: I love books. I have, I, if you give away a lot, of I books. give tons of away books. I actually use it in my therapy, in my, in my private practice, because I just think that they're helpful. They, they're like an extension of me and my, my philosophy. This might help. And I've seen that work for a lot of people like, Oh, you know, the five languages of love. That's really one of my staples in my pra- private practice, because I see so many couples love each other, but then they, they don't connect because people give and receive love differently. So once you figure out how a person feels loved, then you're able to show them love and they can feel it and receive it. And then they can give it back to you, you know, cause there's five of them. There's, you know, presence by just being in the same rooms and people just like to hang out with you. Right. And then there's gifts, you know, the gift givers, the person who likes to give gifts back and forth and that's how they show they love you. There's people that do service. Um, changing your oil, you know, go filling up your gas tank, buying groceries. Those are the people that love to do service. And then there's the huggers and the kissers and, and I'm a hugger. I like to touch, you know, that thing. And then the fifth one is the words of affirmation. Oh, you look really nice. I'm so happy to see you. They, they get filled up on words and love and how that feels. And so that's, that's a nice one. You know, that's one little gift that I love from that book. and um. To be able to help people communicate love to each other, so you're also a giver with these books. Oh, <laughs> I give. I do. I'm a giver. Alrighty. I'm a Can
0: giver. Can you remember one of the earliest books you've ever read? Um, the earliest book from a, as a child that maybe started you down this path of writing or being a reader. Somebody who's one book that made you love. Books. Um.
1: Oh my gosh. It just slipped my mind, but it really had a, um, a really profound. Hugh Prather, Hugh Prather, P-R-A-T-H-E-R. And he wrote a book on notes, and it's a really powerful book. It's just little blurbs, two or three sentences on paragraph here. I think I remember this. You've mentioned this. One. I love that book. That I was given that book on an airplane when I was like 12 years old by this stranger. And I love that book. I, I, I like, I'm like in shock that I can't remember the title of that book. But anyway, that was a very profound book by Hugh Prather. I love that book. And then also James and the Giant Peach. I love that as a child. I couldn't get over how they could, all the characters could have, be different and have different voices. My teacher did a great job of reading that book to us. So I love James and the Giant Peach. Um, my spiritual development would be the road less traveled. Oh yeah, you? that by M. M. Scott Peck, that book, that is a book that I thought saved my life. Um, the first sentence in that book is called "Life is difficult." He says, "Life is difficult," and when I read that, I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Like, you know, I wasn't the only one that somebody else thinks it's difficult too. You know, it's very—it's a great book. It's called "The Road Less Traveled is the original one version that he wrote, and I love that. I remember, "Life is difficult." That's his first sentence. And um, there's I love so many different books.
0: and do you think that your process of giving away books all the time as part of your therapy maybe started when you were twelve when a stranger gave you that book on the your favorite book on an Well, airplane? You're,
1: you're always so insightful, so yeah, I didn't know that till just a second right here. So I'm really grateful that you said that to me because I think that was always my divine purpose even when I was young I knew that I was going to be a writer. I used to tell people I was a great writer. So now I, I go around telling people I'm a great writer and then you fulfilling that that's a whole nother, you know. <laughs> I didn't say I was a great publisher. I, said I was a great writer. Doesn't mean I did, I know I didn't say I was going to sell the books, you know. <laughs> I do have a bunch of great writing in my plastic container.
0: <laughs> hey, it's a legacy. I know. <laughs> The things that I like most about books, uh, of course, is the stories that we learn. The hero's journey. You and I have talked a lot about the hero's journey and how important oh, it is. It's it's
1: everything. We're gonna remember that sound. I have <laughs> a bookcase.
0: <here. laughs> I have a bookcase here full of uh, Joseph Campbell books that I haven't finished reading right. uh, because I'm not really sure if I. I mean, I, I need teach the hero's journey. But part of me wonders how important is it? It's very
1: everything. important. You know, I can tell you that it's important. I I really believe I went to a I went to a screenwriting um seminar on the hero's journey. Okay. And I'm a movie fanatic and I know that if you are missing an element of that hero's journey, the movie does not work. I readers are
0: cheated. Yes, and that's one of the problems that I have
1: with a of my books right. is the fact that
0: because I didn't teach myself and school myself with plot, with all these other you know ideas of theme that I have left something important out of some of these books. Yeah. So my latest book, you can see behind my whiteboard, it. I've got it plotted out. I, I Showing this earlier to my friend Poincia and um I'm gonna do this book right, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to plot the rest of my books and it's see so what's right. missing. Something's it it's
1: missing. you know it's i i it's like oh okay, now I make sure that's it makes sense the the hero's journey, and I remember re- remembering when I read that ever since the beginning of time with man sitting around the fires telling stories that the this hero's journey has so Great. it's like a legacy that we've been given for our writing it is. A storytelling legacy, you're right. Yeah. And we always
0: call it the Cinderella story. We know it as a Cinderella story, whether or not you have been introduced to Joseph Campbell's mythology. But...
1: Or The Wizard of
0: Oz. The Wizard of... Every good story that you read... Timeless, classic. ...has this element in it. So, yeah, I have to embrace the hero's journey. I have to look for the, you know, the call to action, yes. the refusal of the call, all of these elements, and the mentors. But tell me about the story that you're not going to write. Now, you're going to sit down and you're going to be putting a lot of stories <laughs> into written format and put it into a book. We all have books within us that we would love to write, stories we'd love to write, but we're not going to. And this, this harkens back. I was mentioning this to Diane Langley in a previous conversation, a writer who was with me. She's written a book called Life Changes. I discussed the concept that Elizabeth Gilbert, a novelist that we all enjoy from her Eat, Love, Pray book, Mm -hmm. um, has written a book called Magic. Uh, Maybe it's called Big Magic. I'm not really sure. But her concept is that these stories come to us. By way of a muse, that there mm-hmm. is almost like this uh, supernatural being that is whispering over our shoulders, putting their hands on our, you know, shoulder and pushing us into the chair. Okay, get to work, get to work. I've got a great story to tell you. And if you do not do your job as a writer to sit down and tell this story, tell this book, the muse will eventually leave you. And and I was explaining that that's one of the problems that I probably have with my latest book is that I've been working on this short romance novel for two years because the muse left me and I hate it. And I'm like, ah, it's not, I'm not, I can't finish this thing. It's a piece of junk. It really isn't. It's going mm-hmm. to be a good story when I do finish it. Because I think, I think by showing up every day now that the muse is going to, all of a sudden say, hey, Robin has appeared. She's putting in the work. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll come back and finish telling her that story. The idea is that we don't own the stories that we tell, that the stories belong out in the universe. Mm-hmm. And if we're not going to show up and do our job and write that story, the muse is going to find somebody <laughs> who will. I see it happen all the time. So is there a story it that you're willing to give up? all the time. Is there a story you want to tell? A book that you're not going to write
1: that maybe you need to release finally? I I I really believe in divine timing. I truly do. I mean, I because that's like everybody. We have this amazing idea, and then you know, some period of time goes by, and somebody else has gotten your story or exactly. wrote your book. Yes. That was, you know, I'll tell you the perfect example. Uh, Ilana Van Zant wrote my book. Uh, Forgive everyone, everything. I, I'm like, that is the book I was going to write. I'm like, oh my gosh, she wrote my book. So I just don't even think it's about us. I think if we say no, then they'll go next, next, next. Exactly. And I, so I, I really am a strong believer in that. I think the stories that like, like for me, like if you lived it and you, that's your story and nobody can really tell right. that story because you live that story. But I my I think of the story that I would love that I haven't told yet. Is about psychosis I really believe that it's just like beginning of people are talking that it's a spiritual awakening and I just now getting the fact that it just might be our soul breaking free to to live on this planet D what I mean is for us to us to live soulfully you know, we are so struck in the construct of family, of society and the spirituality. I mean, of our religion or whatever constructs that we have. And I feel like it's a little casing and our soul like breaks free and then and when it breaks free, it's not maybe not always so pretty. Right? Do you know okay. what I mean? It may look like it's crazy. Maybe How it looks does the like psychosis a psychosis manifest. Exactly. It's because we have denied our soul. I mean, this is just me talking out loud, but I i just been starting to see that there it might just be a spiritual awakening. And then when you're fully nurtured, because I had my own, I guess that's where I come from, is that I was lucky. I I, wrote, I talked to the college students about that this week. And I said, if I had gone to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, then I would have been diagnosed. I didn't go to a psychologist or a psychologist. I found a shaman in a church service that I went to. So I started seeing a shaman and meditating, and I was never diagnosed with anything. So I'm thinking that that there's something there, and I, I that's probably the book that I, I I have not written yet. But I'm just trying to find out. There's a spiritual way of mental healing, and then also shamans do believe that mental illness has other roots causes. Certainly. Hmm. So it's very profound. I I just think that there are two different paths of mental wellness. That's all. Now you are a shaman. I am. Tell me a little bit about that journey. Um, it started when I was going through my own suicidal ideations. I guess you go through periods of your life. And my very first one, I didn't even know I was. I just stopped eating and I stopped drinking. And I I just would go to church all the time because I was trying to find an answer. And I met Timothy Whispering Eagle um Aguilar, who happened to be at the Agape Center for International Ch- Church. I mean, church, just going to a service. And I saw him and I just was so drawn to him that he gave me his card. We had this really nice conversation and it all started me wanting to touch his hair. He had the most beautiful, long, wavy black, um, half native American Mexican hair. And I just was like in awe, like in our church. So I talked to him and he ended up being a therapist, um, helping men. And, and of course you say, well, I know a lot of men who need your help, right? You know, not of course, I don't need your help, but there's some other people that really need your help. <laughs> so, you know, I started there and then one day I just lost it. You know, you have those days where you're just sobbing and you don't know why you're sobbing and his phone, his business card was right by my phone. So I just called him and I said, and I started crying and through the tears, I realized like how unhappy I was. I'd gone through a divorce and just not knowing where my home is. And I know that's a big deal for people like, where's my home? So I started talking to him about that. The Tears are streaming down my eyes. He says, well, come on over. And I went to his home and that was my first, under, my first session with a shaman. And it was kind and it was nurturing and it was listening. And that was the moment my whole life changed. That's the moment my life became exquisite. You recognize exquisite.
0: Yeah. And so you trained with him for several years. I
1: did. I did all the way up until, until he passed away. And so I am. I am a shaman, and I I was initiated by him, and he taught me so many. I use it every day. He's with me every single day of my life. So
0: you're in a unique position. You have the shaman side of you, and now you're working towards clinical when I, my clinical licensing licensing. How do you see these two facets melding together for your future, your career
1: after? They're, they're, they're whole. They make me whole as a therapist. You need to be aware of the clinical sides of things. You need to know the limitations of clinical. You need to know the limitations of the pharmaceutical world. I need to know the limitations of spiritual. Sometimes some people are so traumatized that they need the medications so that they can calm down to be able to be in therapy, to be able to, to articulate their traumas. Um, I, I have a deep respect for both worlds now. Okay. Interesting.
0: All righty. So, tell me a little bit about competition. Do you you mentioned something about uh, she wrote my book? Yeah. Do you sometimes <laughs> see yourself spiritually or or creatively in competition with other? I, I see this
1: competition only not not with Alana Van Zandt, but I see this competition with oh my god, she listened and wrote the book. That's yes. that, like, how did she do that? I could have done that book. I, I don't regret her. I just, I'm very in tune to spirit. Yeah. So spirit said, you're not going to write the book? Okay. Alana will write that book. I'm like, holy. That's my, book. But, my <laughs> book. Yes, I do understand. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, because I, I was going around telling everybody before she wrote that book, you know, you have to forgive everybody, everything. Well, you even... I said that to you. Book.
0: We wrote that little... We yeah. created that
1: small book called The Book of Apologies. And the Book of Apologies. But it was
0: really for a retreat. It wasn't for the public. Yeah, I, was, I the really scenes. want to get
1: that book out, too. That's yeah. another one of my little... I would love that. It's a little niche book, and that I want to get that book out. The Book of Apologies, because I realized in my clinical in my sessions people are waiting for an apology yes and they they may not even know it and a lot of times unfortunately people pass away the ones they need the apology from and they'll they'll resist they'll resist but i'm like I, i'm gonna say it right now i'm sorry i am so sorry you know people don't they need to hear that apology and i don't know we always know why but I, it, it, it'll come up usually people will talk and yeah about the harms and traumas that we've done to each other indirectly or directly. And so that's where that came from. And then I just, I used to say that to everybody, forgive everyone, everything, including yourself, because it frees you. It does. Mm -hmm. It really does.
0: You're right about that. Now, I experienced um, with you a session of mindful uh, meditation, and it really helped me. It helped me because I was experiencing... um, an illness and I had surgery coming up and I was afraid of it. You really did a tremendous job when you helped me with that. And I was wondering to end this session, if you would consider guiding us all on this podcast for just a few minutes into some kind of meditation.
1: Um, I would love to. No, I'd love to. Sorry to put you on the spot, but... <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Can you just give me like a time frame? So how many more minutes we have? Um, we, we have... As, as How about five? Five more minutes. Okay, so we'll do a five-minute meditation. Five-minute meditation. So if you're okay. listening right now... If you're driving a car, you can turn it off now. <laughs> but, you know, you can listen to it in a few minutes later. But if you are in a comfortable um, place, just, just allow your body just to settle in wherever you are. And recognizing your safety and make sure that you feel in a safe safe place. And when you do, just take a nice deep breath. And just release. Just release. And allow your shoulders to just move up and down and open up your heart a little bit. And you can close your eyes or leave them open and just take another deep breath. And blow out. On the next count, on the next breath, I'm going to count to four. You're going to inhale. I'm going to count to four again, and you're going to hold your breath for four counts. And then when we release, I want you to release as much shame or negativity or a bad day. Whatever you're willing to release, I just want you to release on the exhale. We're going to do this three times. And I'm going to count on the first breath. So, in a moment, we're going to take our first breath, counting with one, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, release. And just breathing all the way out. And then our, our next breath. Inhale, we're gonna count to four again. One, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, release. Nice deep cleansing breath, opening up our hearts just a little bit more. This is our last breath. We're gonna take for the count of four, inhaling, one, two, three four, hold, two, three, four, release. And allowing the sun up above us just to rain down all through our insides, warming our whole entire bodies with warm, just like honey, just coating our insides, relaxing us as it comes down through the back of our brain our spine, the front of our face, down through our shoulders, coating our insides, just feeling this warmth of presence and love flowing through your body, down through your fingertips. You can feel the tingling and it goes down through your whole torso, every inch and part of you down through your thighs, your knees, and you can feel it just coating all your muscles. Your bones, you can feel it easing through your bones and cellular body. Down through the front of your feet, through your toes tingling, anchoring down into the earth, feeling very present, very warm, radiating love. And wiping away the filters from your eyes and your nose and your ears, things you may have heard, seen, just just letting him go filters from your nose so you can smell like you've never smelled before and inside your mouth pressing your tongue up against your top of the roof of your mouth make a clicking noise and just allowing your face muscles to relax And then we take another deep breath and let it out. And when, in a few moments, when we open our eyes, we're going to see like we've never seen before. We're going to hear like we've never heard before. Our senses are all heightened and alive. And we're going to be able to hear our intuitive voice more clearly and more profoundly than we've ever heard before. And on the count of one, two, three, gently open up your eyes and just be aware of this new new way of being in your life. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. (laughs) Namaste. Mm
0: -hmm. you enjoyed my interview with Tanya Anderson and her guided meditation. You can find Tanya online at anexquisitelife.com and you can find me at robinvanauken.com. While you're on my site, download my novel, West Wind. It's free. And speaking of free, I've got half a dozen resources for writers and other creatives on my site. So sign up today. Check out the episode and the show notes at robinvanauken.com, session two. Thank you so much, and if you haven't done so, please hit that subscribe button on your device. Until next time, goodbye.